This is the Maker's Garage, presented by Carbide 3D. Welcome into the Maker's Garage, episode two. Here we go from the crow's nest up above Carbide 3D's HQ here in California. Kevin Barnett joined by Winston Moy once again. Winston, I wanted to kind of reflect on a couple of things from last week. And that is that you said you waited a while until you had something useful to share on YouTube. And I wanted to kind of talk about the fact that YouTube is full of people's best projects, not full of people's learning how to do projects. And how do you let that not get in the way of what you're trying to do? No matter what level you're at, you can go to another level. How do you not let the best of something and the intimidation of that get in the way of you starting something? So that's a, it's an interesting question. Um, because it deals with a lot of how people work and what kind of risk they're willing to take. Um, a lot of the time when I'm trying to approach a project, I will sometimes or well, often overthink things and uh, that slows me down. Um, a lot of the times you just need to jump in, you, you pick up just the key bits of knowledge. Let's say you're working with epoxy resin or you're working with a new material. You, you see how people are doing it um, and you have to accept that you're not going to be a master of it. Um, you sort of know enough to just be dangerous, uh, and then you jump in. Um, for me, I like to, I will obsessively research things. I will go down Wikipedia rabbit holes, um, and that's just how I work. For other people, you might see someone and say like, oh, I'll just take his speeds and feeds and I'll just jump into it. Um, a lot of the times that's good enough, uh, but it's really often a subjective thing. Um, in terms of where I grab my knowledge, uh, sometimes I highly recommend just finding someone on Instagram who shares a lot about a process. I know there's a lot of woodworkers there who are very transparent with what they do, and it's very easy to pick up small tips from there um, because Instagram's a good place for like a, hey, here's a 30 second thought or just, hey, here's a simple technique, a picture of how I'm using these clamps to do something, and you can go from there. Uh, YouTube is where you can go for longer form content, um, and you can really deep dive something there. But I, I mean, as a content creator, I know that often I will accumulate a lot of knowledge and not put it out until I have enough for a video, which means that, um, if you're following me for knowledge, you're not going to get it until like the end. Yeah. It, there's going to be a long gap between where you receive that. Whereas, um, for like quick inspiration, I, I really like a lot of the other social media platforms cause it's just some guy doing a story. Hey, today I'm building this coffee table, uh, follow along. Here's what I'm doing. Um, and you can pick up little tidbits that might otherwise be glossed over in a video or something. Yeah, that's a good point because on YouTube, in order to get all the tidbits in, you probably have to have a video that is an hour and a half long. Whereas on Instagram, you can do that when it comes to mind, when it comes to mind, what you're doing in the moment. But then people have to kind of catch it or they have to go down the rabbit hole of a saved story on a project. Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you keep those elements present in maybe the presentation of a YouTube video? I mean, for me, it's just practice. After you do this for a long time, um, as you're doing something on camera, you think, oh, like I should show a close-up of what I'm doing with my hands or, or like this little detail on how I'm fastening this, this part. Um, you learn to incorporate those story elements as you go. Um, just 
thinking forward, you know, like, oh, when I edit this, I'm going to, I'm going to need to show how I do this technique. And so you plan ahead because you know that if you don't get the right footage ahead of time, either you do it a second time or you kind of just have to hand wave it or, or uh, speak more clearly about it and put more effort into explaining it than, ju than just showing it. Uh, so it's just knowing ahead of time, hey, what kind of footage am I going to need? But even then, there's a lot of little things that you might forget. Um, when you're doing an Instagram video, um, I'll be working on something and I'll be like, oh, this is a really cool technique. Let me pull out my phone and show it. But in a YouTube video, you're, you're editing everything after the fact. There might be something that's actually really useful as a tip, but it just it doesn't register for you to include it in the video. Um, so those spontaneous tips are, are something like it's really hard to capture in a well-edited video after the fact. Might be a good addendum on a YouTube video. Here are the tips, the tricks from, from this particular video that I produced. Here's the bang, 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 bang of tips and, and little techniques that I used. Yeah. Um, honestly, I know some creators who like they save their stories mm -hmm. uh, just so that they, they can look over it after the fact and be like, oh, I did a video about this part of it. They can even cut that footage in if it was a really fun story. Um, so it's not a bad way to look back on it just to have some of that like from your phone footage in addition to the camera footage to give you the best of both worlds. It's called B-roll, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's called B-roll. You can shoot at any time. You don't have to wear the same t-shirt. You know, your hair doesn't have to be the same. You don't have to worry about any continuity issues. Uh, one thing you touched on there, and I, and I want to touch on that I love from Jimmy DeResta. He said, when you're making something, remember that you are the master of that object. <laughs> so no matter where your inspiration came from or what your ideal is, if you make a mistake, you're still the master of that object. You can incorporate that mistake. You don't start over every single time. Have you done that where you've made a mistake on a, a cut or made a mistake on an item you're making and gone, well, now it's a feature? Uh, yeah. Uh, there was a jewelry box I made recently, and um, I chose a design that I'd never seen before, which was a hexagon shape um, with, with certain... There was like sort of a waterfall element where I had a continuous grain wrap around the piece. And I like you can do that with a box with four sides. With a hexagon, I had to kind of improvise a little bit, make my own strap clamp. Um, but I, I didn't get the, the miter joints perfect. And there were like little seams along the way and like little screw ups here and there. Um, but at the end of the day, I had to step back and be like, am I comparing this? to my own personal standard of perfection? Or is there another product that's out there that I should hold myself to and there's nothing else out there? Yeah. Like I am the gold standard. So as long as like there's not like huge panel gaps and like the thing's all crooked, it'll like if people look at it and say, hey, that's pretty cool and they're inspired by it, that's really all you need. Yeah, your creative process, how do you work when it comes to when you think of ideas, how you think of ideas. I mean, for me, I, I usually think of them in the middle of the night, unfortunately. I'll wake up in the middle of the night and my brain will start churning on something. And unless I write it down, forget it, I've lost an hour of sleep. So I type some note out in my phone. And the other place that's kind of quiet these days that, that I get to actually think is in the shower. You're just standing under hot water and there's you can't have your phone. If you have your phone in the shower, I don't know what you're doing if you're typing on your phone. But... <laughs> You can be in there and it's kind of a quiet space and I'll think of you the things I have to do or maybe something that's been been perplexing me mm -hmm. comes to. 
Yeah, I've done that a lot too. It's a it's a really good place to think because you're often just staring at a blank wall uh, and you can just let your mind wander free. Um, I have many times been kept awake in the middle of the night just laying in bed. Um, sometimes I just need to get back to my computer and just doodle something out for a couple minutes before right. I go to bed again. Um, and this is also a really good place for just a notebook, uh, just to keep track of thoughts. Uh, even if you're not going to actively work on it, if it comes to your head, you can write it down, come back to it a couple weeks later. Um, that's just a good way for me to keep track of the things that I want to do, but maybe I'm not ready to do just yet. I draw ideas too when I'm reading a book. I've been reading Elon Musk's biography lately. It's a few years old by now, but reading that and hearing about the early days of SpaceX has been interesting and something will come to mind that I can apply either a method or a certain idea will just jump to mind. It doesn't even have to be specifically out of the book, but maybe some idea in the book drew it across from somewhere else in my mind. And I go, okay, I got to make a note about whatever that process is, that design thing is. And also when I'm reading pictures, do it a lot for me. Pictures of some design. I saw some honeycomb thing in the paper this last weekend. I go, ah, I have an idea to go with this because I love honeycomb shapes, first of all. But I have an idea now where I want to do something with two pieces of acrylic, but it relates to that picture. And I actually took a picture of that and dumped it in my notes. Hmm. Well, I think you'll be really interested in my jewelry box project when I finally get, finally get around Ooh. to it. Because it's, it's all about hexagons. <laughs> I love hexagons. Um, was that autobiography that you're reading, the one by Ashley Vance? I have to look on my Kindle. I don't know. Okay. Um, it's a good one. The one where she, he or she had access... That, yeah, yeah. Like it's one of the only ones where like they got his approval and like his direct interviews. Yes, it must be that one. Okay. Yeah, it's from a few years ago. Yeah, they're talking about the, is it Kauai or whatever the name of the island is that where they were doing the rocketry first. Yeah, where they they failed three times and almost went bankrupt. Yeah, it's yeah that's a good one. Um, I got that one on uh, hardcover just because I, I like that. Um, but since then, just. You buy so many things on Amazon, you, you opt for the slower shipping and they give you digital credit. So I've just been accumulating uh, ebooks yeah. that I'm trying to get through. Um, yeah, there's some good stuff out there. I, just, I like that one. I just got a Kindle and my wife had it. So she said, here, you can have this book too. So, mm -hmm. all right, well, great. I've been reading it. Uh, yeah, I want, I want to talk about brain percolation too. You mentioned something last week talking about slapping something down and cutting it or waiting and and i've heard you both times say well i either obsess about it too much or i just go ahead and cut which one do you do more often i obsess over things okay i uh, cut more <laughs> well then it's good but i do obsess at times i think it's like a 60 40 maybe both ways okay i'm probably the exact opposite so that's perfect yeah um oftentimes i will try and think through a lot of the the tool padding the techniques uh when i make something um, and sometimes it actually works out. Um, just the other day, I was cutting a large sheet of carbon fiber for someone else. Uh, they commissioned me to make a, a couple drone parts. Yeah, I wonder like what that was you were cutting. Educational yeah. uh, little contraption they're making. I think it's like a rover quadcopter mix. Um, so it's got legs that'll hold like little wheels, so it'll actually be able to roll forward a little bit. Um, but they sent me a large sheet, uh, one foot by 24 inches, so one by two of carbon fiber, and in the back of my head, I've been like just mulling over like silly things to do with carbon fiber that don't make sense. And one of them was a license plate frame. And a license plate is 12 inches by 6 inches, at least in California. 
which means that if you buy a one by one foot sheet of carbon fiber, it's not big enough to make a license plate frame. So having access to a one by two sheet where I'm nesting a lot of parts out, um, I was like, I thought about it after I laid everything out and I was like, wait a second, I've got this huge sheet. The license plate frame doesn't take up a lot of material and I can nest things inside that. Ah, so yeah. having that extra time to plan a part gave me the opportunity to combine projects. Um, so sometimes it works out that if you think through things long enough, it's not just finding a new way to do something, it's finding a new way to be efficient about it and maybe kill two birds with one stone. And not end up with a whole bunch of unusable, very expensive material yes. floating around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, so you've been cutting carbon fiber. What else have you been cutting? Uh, honestly, not a lot. Little bits of wood here and there. I want to get into a little bit more brass. Yeah. Um, but right now, it's it's hard with everything else we got going on in the shop. Yeah, I need to know where the brass is because I need to cut a small piece of brass on Nomad. Uh, what Soon. thickness? Thin. Okay. Okay. Yeah, very. I have a sheet of, I think, 132nd inch yeah, that I can do. Uh, loan you from my office. Okay, that'll do. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been thinking of all kind of ideas. I'm in charge of doing content here mainly. We're not eliminating you, obviously, but I'm in charge of kind of maintaining all the content, putting out more content, and I have a couple of cool little ideas. I've been into doing HDPE over the last week to make silicone molds, mm -hmm. and that's been fun. And that that's right along the lines of what we were just talking about where, okay, I'm doing it in Carbide Create, I'm not doing anything fancy. Mm -hmm. You have to think about things a little differently when you're trying to do levels and layers in Carbide Create. And so you have to think about where you start and where you finish in your order of operations. And you're also thinking one step ahead because you're making a positive that you're gonna cast a negative out of and you're gonna go back to positive. Right, you flip it twice. Yeah. Right, because you're gonna make a mold, then you're gonna mold out of that mold. Mm -hmm. And so what you're actually making, when I think about it, is you're actually making the object itself mm -hmm in the bottom of this HDPE. So you have to make the cavity for it, then you have to make the object itself in the bottom of the HDPE that you're gonna pour the silicone in. So I, I did the file, I'm thinking, I'm not sure if I'm right, and I said, I don't care if I'm right or wrong on my levels, I think I got it right, let's just go cut it. Turns out I had it right, mm -hmm. and it worked, and we just did a couple cleanups, but then to do the silicone. So silicone is an interesting thing, along with a lot of people pouring epoxies these days, you're supposed to put it in a in a pressure pot, right? In a chamber. Pressure pot if you're casting it vacuum pot to get rid of bubbles before you pour. Okay, yes. But no one has those things. Few people have those things. I don't even have one. Do you have one? <laughs> I don't. I thought about uh, getting a pressure pot though. Um, you can hack one from a Harbor Freight paint pot um, and just like instead of putting paint in there, you can uh, for spraying, you can just like change some of the valves out, put a yeah. pressure relief valve in there, um, and yeah, it'll work. I thought about it um, just because I wanted to get more into epoxy resin casting, uh, but I never got around to it. But that's a whole other project. It to is. like make the thing is I I don't want to make the thing. That's one of the things I love about our machines is they show up and they're ready to use. You don't need to make something else to go with it. So. I'd have to buy a pressure pot or a vacuum chamber, which I haven't done. And I have a fairly well-equipped shop, and I still haven't done it. So I, people do not have it Yeah. broadly, right? So my And you go, oh, well, you mix up the silicone. It's going to have bubbles in it. Oh, my God, bubbles. You can't pour it with bubbles. Everyone, you don't want to have bubbles. Well, you have bubbles. Does it really matter? Pour the silicone in, pop it out, pour your, your mold in, whether it's soap or chocolate or whatever it may be. 
Does it really matter? It turns out the answer is no. <laughs> it does not really matter. Yeah. Um, I guess specifically for this application, it's not a cosmetic piece, right? You just need the inside to have a, a, a smooth skin so to receive what you're casting in it. Correct. And in this case, yeah, mission accomplished. Yeah, and so I think that's a, a good example of let it fly. Yeah. Just let it fly. Who cares? And in doing this so quickly, you learn things about how to make it better. Maybe you change some of the size of the features because the silicone doesn't flow into really tiny cracks and crevices. Yes. So that's a valuable lesson learned that you wouldn't have learned until you did the first prototype. So it's good that you got the first prototype out fast. A theme too, I think I would like to have people think about with when they listen to this podcast too, is that there are no failures. There's only learning. And that can be small and that can be big. I'm making a face here that you yes, can't you are. see over you the are. microphone. It didn't transition but, well to audio, yes. Um, in general, yeah. Um, the, the failures you have are mostly to your ego, um, but you learn something coming out of it and you're not going to do it again if you mess up. So, yeah, I agree. Okay, do you have a failure in mind? Um, well, actually, in that recent carbon fiber job that we were just talking about, um, that license plate frame, I have to cut the inside, I have to cut the outside, and I was using uh, clamps and screws to hold it. Yep. And uh, I, it, it I, was janky. I didn't work hold it <laughs> properly on the last op. So I got 95% through all the machining I was going to do. And then I heard a little snap and the frame had jostled. It had shifted under the clamps because I didn't apply enough pressure. Um, and it's, it's interesting because I had three clamps on it, which is usually pretty secure. The complicating factor I hadn't thought of is that I'm clamping this large rectangular frame at three points and it's fairly thin. It's just the frame that goes around the license plate. And um, in the middle, even though it's carbon fiber, it still can bow and bend a little bit. And as you're cutting it, a little bit of the carbon fiber got ripped up, pulled into the cutter, which made the cutter rip through it even harder. And that's kind of like a mm. negative feedback loop, mm -hmm. or positive feedback loop of just increasing cutting forces. And that sort of pulled off, got me a little chatter and, and knocked the frame out of the clamps. Um, so that is, it's a lesson learned. I'm still kicking myself for it though, because I was so close to finishing this project flawlessly, but uh, just a little carelessness, uh, did not thinking through everything as fully as I could have. Well, you know, I don't think I would have caught that in, in hindsight, um, but yeah, it's a mistake. It's a screw up, but it's, it's also a learning moment. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can think of one big, I did some product development years ago and went to China, had molds made, made the product. It did not sell as well as I would have liked. Mm -hmm. And I ended up donating a bunch of it. <laughs> but the skills that I learned during that transferred directly to all the stuff that I make with the machines. Once I bought my own CNC machine five years ago, once I bought a, a Shapeoko 3, it all that experience translated directly to not only the stuff that I make and how I make it, what I learned doing doing it at a higher level, at a professional, not higher level, at a manufacturing level, mm -hmm. but also the idea of how to market stuff, how to move things, don't make so many of them, show them to people first, don't hold secrets, you're not reinventing the wheel here. Uh, those, those things have all paid dividends, even though it was a very expensive process. 
but it did lead somewhere. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's important for people to know. Whatever you're doing, talking about on the machine, whatever you're making is going to lead to some technique, something you're going to use later. Was it more or less expensive than a college education? That's a great question. Uh, it was about what it was, yeah. <laughs> about the money I saved in scholarship I spent later in this, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we'll call it a wash. Okay, so, so you got a very good education. I did. <laughs> I did. It was excellent. It was excellent, yeah. Although paying for college now for my kids, maybe it's only like two years. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's so expensive. Uh, so what are you, you going to be cutting this weekend? Are you still working on carbon fiber? you have something else you're thinking of? Well, so... The, the carbon fiber license plate frame got a little messed up, but I think it's still salvageable. So I'll probably be repairing that or, or just cutting a little okay. extra around the border off. Uh, hopefully I can fix that. Other than that, no, I'm just grinding out designs. Okay. I'm going to be in Hawaii. And so I'm going to go visit a wood shop there. And one of the folks that has our machines out there, who's a maker, I'm going to go visit him and shoot a little footage with him. But I, I like to visit wood shops. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean Home Depot or Lowe's. I'm talking like an actual wood shop in different areas of the country because they have such different inventory. And even if I don't buy something, I just like to see different kinds of wood that's out there and different shapes of it, different pieces of it. Um, so I'm hoping for some good koa mm, when, okay. I find, when I find a shop on Oahu. That should be pretty nice. Yeah. Or maybe I'll just go lay by the beach. I don't know. <laughs> One of those two things. All right. Thanks for being here. The Maker's Garage episode two is in the can. We're going to keep trying to inspire you. If you have some feedback for us, let us know on Instagram. We do have a Maker's Garage Instagram page and you can listen now through Apple iTunes. You can listen through Spotify. You can listen through Google podcast as well as on just a standard web page. And we'll put that link in our own what bio show notes description. Probably, yeah. probably our, our bio for the Instagram page. All right. It's all coming together. We'll keep working on here. Mm -hmm. I'm Kevin. I'm Winston. That's it. See you next week.